may be seated. I've got stories to tell. How many of you know that the Lord has done a work in your life and uh, it's hard to hold it in sometimes? I tell you, that song, yeah, there you go. Get those hands up. But it's amazing how when you come to a, a gathering like this, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I come here wanting to praise the Lord, coming, wanting to hear from the Lord, but sometimes I come here because I need the Lord. <laughs> now, I can get the Lord at home in my prayer closet. I can have the Lord over there in the office or whatever. But it's amazing when we come together and celebrate what he has done, how it impacts our souls, impacts our lives. And this morning, literally, we're here to celebrate what he has done. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to two places this morning or a way to see God's word. Genesis chapter 37 and Psalm 105. We're continuing the series, Reviving the Wounded Heart. And we're not only going to go through this gathering with this sermon series, uh, the week after Christmas, excuse me, Easter, not Christmas, I'm ready to get some gifts, you can tell. But anyway, uh, the Sunday after Easter, we are going to close out this series. So we're going to take a break for a couple weeks, let you digest some of this stuff, because it is heavy. I know it's heavy. I've had to live some of this myself, uh, but we will come back for one more uh, gathering concerning this topic. So please keep that in mind two weeks from the, uh, three weeks from today. So today we're going to look at the paradox of hurt. Now some of you, maybe you don't know what a paradox is, but it's a statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a truth. Now let me just say this. This word Really, when you look at it through the lens of what God could potentially do through your hurt, is one that God can do some miraculous things with. It's one of those things that we just sang. I've got, I've got stories I'll live to tell. I'll tell those who need healing. I'll tell those who need God to give them a fresh touch. Whatever it may be, it's one of those things where those stories become a part of who we are. And today we're going to look at a person in God's Word of the Old Testament. We've already introduced him the first week of this series. His name's Joseph. And we're going to look at the story that we see through his life. This is an incredible story. And if you were to say, give me a story that is a paradox, it would be the story of Joseph of the Old Testament. So look at the introduction. What if, what if you were told that the hurt you have experienced in your life could possibly be the best thing to ever happen to you and those around you. It is true and can be proven with the story of Joseph of the Old Testament. Now, I want you to think about in your life. Think back in your life. I want you to think back in those times in your life. I guarantee you that some of the greatest moments of your life followed a very tough time in your life. For, here's what I've noticed about what, how God works in my life. Sometimes he'll allow certain things to come into my life that basically causes me to stop dead in my tracks. And sometimes it's a picture of, of, of some type of suffering. Sometimes it's hurt. And a lot of us don't like to associate God with allowing hurt in our lives. But let me just say this. All through the, all through the scriptures, you're going to find God uses the hurt and the sufferings and all those different things that touch our lives in ways to really show us who he truly is and what he desires to do in and through us. And so if you were to go back and you were to say, let me take a careful evaluation of my life, I think you would find that during those tough times is when God showed up. 
It's in these times that you learn something about yourself you never knew. It's during those times that you learn something about God you never knew. And those can be very precious moments in a person's life. Watchman Nee said this, We never truly learn anything new about God in ourselves except through hurt or adversity. I believe that is a very accurate quote there. So the first thing I want us to look at this morning are, what are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? If I were to forgive, what, what, what could potentially happen in my life? Some of you, as we discussed in weeks past, maybe some of you, it's been very difficult for you to forgive. And some of you, you want to with everything in you. But, but for some of you, you just got to realize that you just got to get to that point in your life where you basically say, I refuse, to, I refuse and want to quit living the way I've seen things. I want the honest view from God's word where you're going to get that this morning about what it means to forgive and what can take place in your life when you do. So number one, what are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? Discerning what character qualities God wants to develop in you through the offense. Now think about that. Sometimes some of the, the things that come into our lives that knock us off our feet, that put us flat on our back, or, or maybe just kind of rub up against us in a way that is painful at times, God is up to something, and he's capable of bringing whatever that is that came into your life to turn it for, for your good, for his good, in a way that you learn not only a little bit more about yourself, as I said earlier, but also a work that can happen in you. Now, some of you are sitting here today, and you would say, okay, I've done this evaluation in my life, and I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm really thinking I don't have any weaknesses. Anybody gotten there this morning? You do. And there's things that God wants to do in your life, and the way he'll do it is through the adversity that comes into our lives. And we see it here in this story. Born in ancient Israel, Joseph was a child of promise. He was 17 years old when we pick up on his story here in Genesis chapter 37. In verse 3, it says, Now Israel, Jacob, that was his father, loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Now, how many of you, now are you familiar with the story? The coat of many colors? We learned that in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. And he goes on and says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers... They loved him so much. No, they hated him. Hated him. Think about that. And could not even speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I've dreamed. There, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheave arose and also stood upright. Indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheave. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here. What are you thinking, Joseph? What are you doing here? They already hate you. Don't give them ammunition, right? And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or, or, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. More for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have an, another dream. Now, I don't know about you. At this point, I'm sitting here screaming at Joseph. Just keep your mouth shut, right? Just don't say any, don't say any more. They already hate you. They hate you. And now the third time, they hate you. Okay? Get the picture here. 
And so he puts it out there again. He has a, this other dream. And he says, uh, then he dreamed another. I have another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bow down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. His father rebukes him and says, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? But listen to this. Now his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Now, it's very interesting, the two responses we find in verse 11. First of all, in verse 11, Jacob, if you know anything about his, his story, his story is wrapped around dreams also, or visions. How many of you know that? You see that. And so he is someone who's like, he puts a lot of stock in dreams. He's seen how these things play out. But his brothers, they hate him, they hate him, they hate him. Now they envy him. I mean, every possible way that they could be hurt by the mere presence of Joseph, they've been hurt, at least from where they see it. So it's obvious from this story that Joseph lacked discernment and wisdom. How many of you can kind of see that here? He, he, he was lacking something. Some also believe that maybe Joseph lacked a little humility in his life. But, but here's what I want you to take this. What are the qualities God is attempting to build in your life? What is that thing in your life that is hindering you from being everything God desires you to be? What is that thing in your life that's keeping you from, from being exactly and pushing beyond the, the scope of where you live your life in the presence of how you live it and want to see it to the presence, to in the presence of what God desires in and through your life? So what are those things he's building in you? Could it be love, meekness, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? Just to name some. Joseph eventually, here's, here's what's amazing about the story. We read this story, but here's what you need to know about it. Eventually, he's going to become the most Christ-like person in the whole Old Testament. His story. Think about it. Genesis, the same book in the Bible that says, And God created the heavens and the earth. And he says it all right there. 26% of that book is dedicated to this man's story. He is Christ-like. And he will become more Christ-like than any others after him. So, what are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? And secondly, realizing that God is working in you through the actions of your offender. Now, some of you are sitting here today, and you've, you've been hurt pretty badly. And you're like, wait, wait a second. You, you mean God allowed this? Yeah, God not only allowed it, he's going to do something in it and through it. And that's something that we should take stock of. But the problem is many times we don't know the unknown plan. We don't know the plan. How many of you would say, you know something? I think I could suffer. I think I could go through all this if I knew what the plan was. If I knew what God was up to, then maybe I could settle better with this. This would be better. But that's not the way God works. How many of you figured that out? It's all about faith. There's always a faith component, component to it. So in Genesis chapter 37, the story doesn't get any better for Joseph. Verse 18 says, Now when they, Joseph's brothers, saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us kill him and cast him into a pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. 
Now, let me just say this. If God puts a dream in you or a vision in you, it, it, are brothers going to be able to take away from what God intends? No, nothing is going to take away from what God is sovereignly and providentially working out through the life of Joseph. And that's what we need to keep in mind when it comes to now. Skip down to verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph's brothers had come, when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped him of Joseph of his coat, uh, the coat of many colors that was upon him. Now, now here's what I want you to think about that coat. They got rid of the coat. That represented a symbol of their hate. It really did. If you look at the coat itself, it represented something. That this uh, son is the one, the favored son of, of their father. And so they ripped that from him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water. Skip down to verse 28. Then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shackles of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Now, y'all, that is what we would call the unknown plan. Joseph had no idea what God was doing in his life right now. Matter of fact, Joseph, being as young as he was, really didn't have any bearings about a whole lot of anything, did he? Based on what we've seen in the story. And he's sitting there, and he's got to be thinking, what is going on here? What's the madness that's going on here? The people that possibly you would trust, your family, have, have turned on you. And to Joseph, this was God's unknown plan. But there's a very important plan that would play out in this story. And God is going to take this story and make it known to the people. In Psalm 105, look at verse 16. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Now, this is the known plan. The unknown plan, only thing Joseph knows is he's been sold as a slave. The known plan of God is spelled out even by the psalmist. And it says in verse 17, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was, he, he was laid in irons, speaking of his hurt and his suffering, until the time that was his word came, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent, or Pharaoh king sent and released him, the ruler of the people, let him go free. He made him lord of his house, the ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princesses at his pleasure and teach. Now, this is, I want you to think about this. This is Joseph. He's saying this about Joseph. Teach his elders wisdom. What's he lacking in the previous story? He's lacking wisdom. He's lacking discernment. He can't even put things together. And all of a sudden, God's going to do this big, miraculous thing in his life, something that's unknown to him. And, and by the way, he's going to pass the test. We're going to see this in just a moment. But the thing we got to keep in mind is he goes from a young man who obviously lacks wisdom and discernment to a man who has great wisdom. And only God could pull that off. So what are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? Realize that God is working in you through the actions of your offender, and we see the no unknown plan, but then there is the known plan, and we saw some of that in Psalm 105. I want to skip that and come back to it in just a moment, but let's get, move to the next one. What are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? Expecting to suffer for doing right as a normal part of living for God. Now, this is the part that I think confuses us the most, that you mean to tell me I can do everything God's told me to do, Perfectly, perfectly, 
and still suffer in the midst of this world, in the midst of my life. Absolutely. And we see it everywhere. We see it everywhere. So we go to Genesis chapter 39. Look at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, with Joseph, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, that would be a great testimony, wouldn't it? You hire Joseph, and everything gets great. (laughs) Great testimony. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he was made him overseer of all the house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So things are going great. How many of you agree? At this point, things are going great. Enter Potiphar's wife. You ever heard of her? Ever heard of her? Evidently, Potiphar didn't pay her much attention or something. Because all of a sudden, the Bible says that she cast, I'll let you figure out what this means, longing eyes upon Joseph. And day after day, the Bible says, she pursued him. Not to set him down to have a nice meal, but for other things. She pursued him. Until finally the day she got really bold and she literally, it sounds like she leapt upon him. And and he's trying to get away from her as, as fast as he can. And as he leaves, his coat is left with her. He literally runs out of his coat. Now, I don't know about you, but if we were to really see this play out, we would probably stand and applaud Joseph for overcoming temptation at this point. And everything should be great. Why? Because he did exactly what God would want him to do in that situation. He runs out, and, and maybe he's, once he starts putting it together, say, Whew, I'm glad I overcame that temptation. I'm glad all that's behind me now. Guess what? It was just starting. All of a sudden, look at verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him. He heard of the account, the account his wife gave him, Okay took him, put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. He, did he do everything right? He did everything right. And he finds himself in prison. And some people estimate he could have been in there as long as 7 to 13 years in prison for doing the right thing. So Joseph's character, is he held up under the temptation. But Joseph knew that God is sovereign, but he also believed that he was responsible to God for his choices. So it wasn't a matter of him trying to figure all this thing out. He knew he couldn't sin. If you read the text carefully, we didn't read this part. He couldn't sin against Potiphar. He wouldn't sin against him by taking his wife. Not only that, he said, I can't do this against my God. He saw his life in the context of of God himself. And that's an important point to get to. So the years go by. He goes from being a slave. Think about it. He goes from being a slave now to a prisoner. Are things looking up? Absolutely not. Slave to prisoner? Now, you're the one in the prison cell. 
You've been in there for quite some time now. What would be going through your mind? You know what a lot of us would be doing? We would be reliving all the stories up to this point. How you were sold by your brothers. How you wound up in the hands of the Ishmaelites. And now you're in Egypt. And you, you were given this great responsibility that you felt like you, did, you, you fulfilled it greatly. And God's favor was upon it. And all of a sudden, that one moment when Potiphar's wife comes in and brings false allegations, and all of a sudden, now you're sitting in a prison cell. I don't know about you, but I would have a hard conversation with God at this point, wouldn't you? I would be suffering at this point. And guess what? He could, could, could he have wasted away in prison, feeling sorry for himself, thinking God has put him on the shelf and nothing else matters anymore? Could he have done that? Yes. And here's a sad tragedy. Many, and I hate to say this, and I know this is painful, but many of us are doing the same thing. The hurt that came into our life, the injustice that came into our life. And all of a sudden, we're sitting here, and all we're doing is replaying it over and over again in our minds. And we, sometimes we're even blaming God for the context of what happened in our lives. And we just are just wasting away in prison. But that's not the story of Joseph. There's a story here that doesn't end in prison. It will end literally in the palace. And I want to show you how this plays out. But first of all, let's keep looking at this. What are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? Surrendering yourself to God's plan. That he may bring vindication. That he may bring justice. God is the one who will bring justice. And we see this. So the goal of forgiveness, the goal of forgiveness, listen to this, is not to set God on those who have hurt you to receive justice. How many of you have ever been told to pray for your enemies and love your enemies? You've been told that, right? What does your prayer life sound towards enemies? God, you know what they did to me. Get them. Get them. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really. I mean, and, and for some of us, we can even make it sound spiritual. For some of us, we can say, you said vengeance was yours. Now do it. Right? We, I mean, we can take it in so many different ways. But the point is, when it comes to the hurt we face in our lives, we're taking ownership of the fact that we could create some form of justice, but we're literally transferring every bit of that over to God himself, who will always do a better job of that than you will. And that's what we see here, Genesis chapter 41. What's happening here? Well, there's a dream that Pharaoh has. How many of you know the story? Hey, there's a dream, and, and basically there are seven fatted cattle and seven that were uh, almost dead because they were starving. And all of a sudden, he can't make sense of this dream, and, and the story gets back to Joseph. And Joseph's basically brought out of the prison to the palace, and he says, here's what this dream means. Obviously, would you say Joseph's learned something about dreams? Before, what was he doing? He was going to the people who hated him to interpret dreams. Now he's interpreting dreams. Wow, he's grown. And all of a sudden, he brings interpretation to the dream. And he basically says, hey, Pharaoh, by the way, let me just tell you what's, up, what's going to happen here. There's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. You need to prepare for this. God's going to give you seven years of good. You need to make good on that. So verse 37, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. Chapter 41, verse 37, good to Pharaoh. And in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such as one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? 
wow, what happened in that prison? <laughs> he comes out, and all of a sudden, he is being promoted. He's being uplifted. I think sometimes we believe that if, if we've been hurt in such a way that, that the only thing that's really going to come of it is God is going to vindicate us, and nothing else will happen to us. We'll just kind of move on. No, God's capable of promoting us in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of what's going on in our lives to bring us to a whole different level, maybe even spiritually. Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Who was that 17-year-old boy back there? No discernment. I can't see a whole lot of wisdom. And now what's he doing? He's, he's a consultant to probably the most powerful person in the world at that time. Isn't that amazing what God can do? And what path did it come by way of? Hurt, suffering, uh, betrayal, despair. It all came through all that to get him to where he is today. Verse 40. Pharaoh said, you shall be over my house, and over all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now, let me just say, ask you this question. That 17-year-old boy with dreams, are those dreams coming to fulfillment? Absolutely. And God's sovereign hand never left the story. You see, so many times we think God's sovereign hand leaves the story when we're in our imprisonments, when we're in our hurt. But God never released his hand off of Joseph. That can be a great certainty to us also. Next, surrender, surrendering yourself to God's plan that he may bring regeneration. And that's really a fancy word for healing. How many of you at times need healing in your life? And you know you need healing. But so many times, let me just tell you what, what, what I hear. Now, listen, physical ailments are important. They matter to us. We, we, we hurt with people who need surgery. We hurt with people who have disease, physical diseases and all that. But there are some things that are greater than that. And so our prayer requests, if we were to be completely honest with one another, would look more like, you know something? I need healing. Someone hurt me pretty bad years ago, and I'm just having a hard time. I, 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 need, I need some of y'all to help walk, walk me through this. I, I need, maybe, do you have a story to tell to, to bring into my life to show me how God can be faithful in the midst of, of what I'm going through? Wouldn't it be cool to be a part of a church or a small group that would uh, enable people to come there and just where they could pour their heart out and we could sit there and minister to one another? But, but let me tell you where we leave it most of the time. And listen, I'm not knocking it. I take prayer requests on Wednesday nights and we talk, and you who are in there, you know, we talk more about physical. We never get to the emotional many times. And most importantly, many times we never get to the spiritual components of life and, and, and let me just say this God desires to bring healing how do we know that healing came to the heart of Joseph Psalm 41 excuse me Genesis 41 verse 51 you see Joseph has two sons now and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh and here's what it meant to him for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house 
Now, now, now it, does it mean that all of a sudden it's been wiped clean of his memory? No, it, that's not what it's saying. That's not even what the original language even trying to promote. It's not saying that. What it's saying is that has no bearing on his life. So much so that it's, it's like it never happened. Because it had so much bearing on his life. And as a result, God did something beyond anything he could ever imagine. Let me just tell you this, and I mean this with all my heart. Many years ago, I've told you some of the hurts I've dealt with, betrayal and all these different things, which we've all been through. But you know what was really amazing? I learned two things during that journey. I learned, number one, how hurt I really can be and how hurt can cover every area of my life. But the second thing I learned in the whole process is I was totally blown away with the heart that God created in me for the one who offended me. I was blown away that he gave me compassion for that person. I was blown away that he gave me a tender heart for that person. I was blown away that I even got to a point where I was missing that person in my life. Grieving over the fact that that friendship had ended the way it did. And, and you know what was even more important? Showing me the responsibility I had in the hurt itself. You see, most of the time I've noticed when people are hurt, there's two sides to hurt. There's a person who we think is the offender, but guess what? We could be the offender in that equation also. And it's something we've really got to really evaluate. And I didn't see my role as an offender until God started giving me the better picture of what was really going on. And then I started understanding, you know, I had a role in this, and I wasn't even aware of it. And God began to, that's when I knew God did a work in my life. <laughs> it was remarkable. He goes on. There was a second son. His name was Ephraim. And basically, here's what his name meant to him. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. How many of you would like to say that one day? I was hurt. I was knocked down, never thought I could ever get back up. But let me just tell you, God did a work in my life. And now I'm just going to be honest. There's, there's fruit that's come from it. There's been good things that have come from it. God's done some amazing things. And like I said a while ago, things that I will never understand and never thought would ever happen, he did it. And that's how far God can bring the healing. Surrendering yourself to God's plan that he may bring restoration, even repair. He, he can handle that, repair. Now, it, this is where we go back. You, you remember up above there, it says, realizing that God is working in you through the actions of your offender. We see the unknown plan. Did you know there was the known plan? And did you know God gave Joseph the opportunity to see the known plan? There's some of you sitting here today, you're going to go through some things in your life, or maybe you did years ago, and, and you may never have the known plan. Maybe only heaven will reveal what was truly behind what you went through. And, and I'm here to tell you, that, that's tough, but I don't know about you, it makes heaven even greater to me. That there's things that happen in my life, and I believe that God is sovereign over my life. He's providential over my life. I can trust him with my life. And there's some things, there's like closure I need in some places. How many of you need that in your, in your life? There's just some closure that needs to be out there. I'm convinced that sometimes only heaven will bring those answers and bring that closure. But right now, I'm just going to trust him. But God let Joseph see the plan. 
Joseph begins to see it. His brothers come to Egypt. How many of you remember the story? All of a sudden, famine does strike the land, just as Joseph said. Uh, And then all of a sudden, the brothers show up. Genesis 45, verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. They haven't recognized him yet. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, if you're one of the brothers, what would you be? I'd be looking for an exit at that point. You know, (laughs) he sees them. He knows who they are. Then verse 5, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. Now, the only way he was able to say that is why? Because God brought healing in his life. That's the only way he was able to say this and mean it. For God sent me here before you to preserve life, to preserve your life. Skip down to verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. Oh, my goodness. Joseph came to recollection, to, to, to the recollection that it was God who orchestrated this and all the unfairness that surrounded it, all the injustice that surrounded it. He's coming... God did this, and, God, and Joseph seems to be okay with it? I'm telling you, when you begin to move in the direction the Spirit of God is leading you, you're going to be amazed at what he does in you. Amazed. I'm sure when Joseph was saying these words, he had to be thinking, never thought I'd ever say that. And then it goes on. And he says, and he's made me a father to Pharaoh and lord over his house and a ruler throughout all the land. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, thus thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come to me, do not tarry. He goes on, verse 10, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near to me. You, your children, your children's children, your flocks, your herds, all that you have, bring them here. There I will provide for you, lest your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. Everything that played out, everything that's happening, everything was orchestrated by God. And then we'll end with this one. What are the breakthroughs to forgiveness? Thanking God for the ministry platform he gives through the offense. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. And and you say, well, I hope you've been up to this point, too. I have. (laughs) It's amazing how we use these things. What I want to say to you is this. I think it's so important that we understand that our life is so much bigger than we are. I'm convinced I couldn't stand here for these weeks and explain to you hurt in the way that God's allowed me to see hurt not only in the scripture but also in my life. God has given me a ministry platform to use for those of you who are hurting. Now, maybe I haven't been hurt to the degree you've been hurt. But I'm telling you, the thing I notice about the disparity of this world, the inner workings of our flesh, I'm here to tell you that we all go through the same stuff. When these type things hit our lives. When they, and, and it's so true and we see it. It's the same thing. So, so what does it do? How does it become a ministry platform? Well, first of all, it brings the wounds and needs of the offender in focus. All of a sudden, I'm not so much looking at the injustice that was done to me. I'm looking at that other person through the lens of kindness and compassion and saying, what in the world could have happened to them to cause them to do what they did to me? 
But we don't want to go there, do we? You know why? Because we don't want to give them out. Do we? We don't, do we? And all of a sudden, things begin to, to, to uproot. All of a sudden, the, the hard ground gets tilled. It also allows God to use you, the offended, in the offender's life. Joseph, think about it, was promoted and blessed because he allowed God to work through his heart. Joseph, the only way he was able to get there was to see the big picture. Genesis 50 is where we pick up the story. Jacob has just died. His father's just died. The 11 brothers, well, at least 10 of them we know, are sitting there wringing their hands thinking, what's he going to do next? He's been keeping us alive for this moment. He's getting ready to do something. Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we are your servants. He's just been told, just been told, father's dead. He may have just kept him alive so he could, didn't want his father to be dishonored. Now he's going to come down on him. But he doesn't, does he? Look at what he says in verse 19. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves when it comes to our hurt. Are we in the place of God that we will bring the right justice that needs to be brought? Are we the ones that will come and make things right the way they really need to be made right? Are we the one orchestrating the universe in such a way that will bring great discovery of who God is? No, we're none of that. And that's what he's saying here. Don't be afraid for, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is to this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And then look at what it says at the end. And Joseph comforted them and spoke kindly to them. That's when you know God's done an amazing work in your life. That you go from logically understanding God's word to a point that, you know, I should forgive because if I don't, I'm in bondage. To the point of you actually doing it, and all of a sudden you start, there, there's emotion. You see, we always want the emotion to dictate what happens next. How many of you live your life that way sometimes? We want the feeling to be just right before we take that step. No, we got to come sometimes to a logical understanding of what it means to forgive. What, what will happen to us if we don't? To the point that it affects our heart in a way that now we're actually moving towards that. Then the emotions come, and the emotions, that's the thing that will surprise you the most. And the fact that you can comfort the offender in your life. You can bring compassion to the offender in your life. You can allow God's sovereignty not just to work out in your life, but count on God's sovereignty to work through their life. This type of stuff just kind of blows my mind. The only way you're capable of comforting someone you're capable of comforting is seeing the big picture. Paul saw the big picture, Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for good. What does it say? All things. To those who love God, those who have a heart for God, those who look to God for the provision, for everything they have, God is still orchestrating through the evil. He's still orchestrating for those things that cause us harm. To those who are called, how? And this is important, according to his purpose, his sovereign will. So Romans 8.28 looks at life forgivenly, providentially, and purposely. 
So when you no longer claim that the person who hurt you still owes you or needs to be punished at your hands, then you will see your life in God's hands. And from there, you will discover the benefits of forgiveness. And here's what you need to remember. Few ever get there. Few. You remember how we started the whole talk about heart? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way. And little find that way. What's the narrow way? God's way. The best way. That's what it is. And that's what you need in your life. We all need it. So I want to invite you, if you would, to just right there where you are. We're not going to sing. We're not going to play. We're just going to right there where you are. Just bow your heads. And I want to pray for you. And then three weeks from today, we're going to take it a step further. Three weeks from today, I'm going to give you a card. And I'm going to walk you through a process of healing and possibly reconciliation with that one who's hurt you. That's all it's going to be. Three weeks from today, we're going to conclude it with that. So would you pray with me right now? Father, we just come to you right now. And Lord, I know there are many in this room that are probably at a place of they're ready to forgive. They, they, they've heard all the reasoning why they need to. They've heard from your word. But Father, maybe they're still hurting a little bit to the point that it's still very emotional. Father, I just pray for them, Lord, that you, you would help them to strike the emotion and to just go after your heart, Father. Allow your spirit, to tell, help them to allow your spirit to work in and through them, to convict them, to show them, to guide them through that path that you said he would do, to bring them closer to the words of your word, to bring them closer to your purposes. Father, I just pray for that one that is hurting, that you would continue to till the hard ground in their soul, that they may see and catch a glimpse of what you're capable of doing in and through the offense. Father, again, we thank you for the breakthroughs we've had I can look around this room, and I, can, I know there's people. I know some of their stories, and I know the great work you've done in their life. We just pray you'll continue to do it again and again and again, that we will also have a story to tell about what you've done in our lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. You're dismissed. Thank you. <clears throat>